0: Welcome back to Diamonds for a Point, the podcast. This podcast episode would have to be one of the hardest ones I've had to do, and it's taken me about 10 goes at it to get it right, and I, and I really hope you guys enjoy this and take something from it. Um, it. It wouldn't be my story and my podcast if I didn't break it up. So I'm sorry, you're going to have to follow through here with me, and we're going to talk about uh, a very close friend of mine. But I've got to take you back and forth within the story to get it all out there. So by now, you guys know that I had a child in prison, that I was a drug trafficker, that um, I'd met a lot of people along the way. Um, 2016 is when I first ever went to jail. Um, I went there on bail breaches, so I I stopped signing into the police station when I was meant to. Oopsie daisy, and I did about six weeks jail. Like big deal, right? But when I'd first ever gone to jail, I'd pissed a few people off, and I had a few run-ins, a few punch-ons, a couple of broken ribs, missing teeth. Um, but. You know, I settled in not so well that time. Um, I met this woman in my unit that I was in, and she approached me um, and said to me, "Like, I don't want these people hurting you anymore. I'm going to stick up for you. This has gone too far." Blah blah blah. And I thought, "Oh shit, I'm in jail." I thought she wanted me to be a girlfriend. I was like, "Well, I'm not a lesbian." She's like, what? I said, well, what are you sticking up for me for? Like, I don't want to be your girlfriend. She was a big woman. When I say big, not fat. She was tall, solid, staunch. She was fit. um, And she's definitely had a, a physical presence when she was around. And she's like, what? And I was thinking, well, I've heard about these girls' relationships in jail. And it's not happening, mate. I am not. I'd rather get my head kicked in 20 times over before I'm going down anywhere. No way, no way. She's like, I'm not even attracted to you. Are you kidding me? You're not even my type. What? I'm hot. I'll tell you right now. I'm very good looking. A lot of people are attracted to me. What do you mean I'm not your type? You're not attracted to me. I'll have you know. A lot of people are attracted to me. I'm very good looking. She's like, bitch, you got tickets on yourself. I just wanted to be your friend. I'm like, yeah, sure, mate. You want to be my friend. Yeah, mate. I've got no money. She's like, what do I want your money for? I said, well, I'm just saying, like, if you're offering me protection because you think I'm going to pay you or have sex with you, these things are not happening. She's like, you've got nothing that I want. I was just trying to be a friend. I was like, oh, okay then. Right. Nevertheless, we spent the next few weeks hanging out, talking, exchanging stories, having laughs, playing cards, cooking. Doing dishes, like it was just cool. I had this friend, and what was also cool is that now no one wanted to fuck with me in general either because she was my friend. Um, so I got out, she got out probably about a month after me. We caught up on the outside, we hung out, we had great times, we laughed and giggled. And she had a boyfriend at the time. Um, we went swimming, we we did heaps of stuff off our face, of course, on drugs. But we still managed to do heaps of normal normal stuff too. And um I remember her boyfriend saying, Babe, like, we have to go home. Like, I've got appointments I need to go to. We haven't been home in a week. And she's like, Well, get on the train and get going. I'm like, I don't care, I'm having fun. Me and my my friend are hanging out. Eventually though, she did go home and um I went on to to my life and she went on to her life. Um And then when I went to jail again, she was there. She got out, I got out. And then finally, when I was pregnant with my daughter, she was in there as well. So she was always in a secure unit, though, when I was pregnant, which the secure unit is for the naughty girls. Um, She couldn't make it over to the residential area, which is where you go when you get higher privileges because you've been behaving and whatever else. So her unit and her cell was right near where you come out so every time I had to go to medical or every time I had to go um to the main area to go to the hospital or anything else for checkups she was always banging on the window woo, banging banging and I'd wave to her and and you know it was cool because she was still this cool person she was still staunch she was still tough and strong and and it was it's always good to have friends like that in jail let me tell you it's always good to have some backup um she was always getting messages to me you know love you you've got this it's okay you know when she heard that I wasn't able to have my baby in jail she was like writing me notes saying like you're the best mum I know you're the best person I know this is bullshit don't let them get you down keep fighting and you know it was it was definitely empowering having a friend like her she empowered me in in many many ways gave me confidence and and reassured me and um, even though she was unsure of herself and probably lacking empowerment in herself, she still reached out and always made sure that I was okay. Now, when I had Elizabeth, we know the story, it took me a long time and to get her in the jail and get approved. But um, eventually that did happen and I had to do a lot of courses and I had to be engaged with all things the jail offered. So one of those things was play group. The play group was every Friday. Um, it was run by Save the Children. Fantastic program, by the way. Like they really need to incorporate that program more into every prison there is. Because what they did was um, the Save the Children workers would come in. The children would be handed to the guards at the gate. And they would be walked in a separate way than what you would normally do when you're visiting. And they would bring them to the gym Now, the gym was set up with all painting and reading books and like you'd have afternoon tea with them. And the Save the Children Fund would bring little poppers and fruit and little sandwiches and everything else. And it was it was absolutely amazing. It was it was awesome. But the children had to go at the end of those two hours. So it's very sad, very emotional. It's a horrible Thing at the end to watch these kids yelling out to their mum, but mummy, I don't want to leave. Mummy, don't let them take me. And the women are there crying. Obviously, can't do anything once the children have walked out. You can't run after your child and give them a hug one last time. You have to just stand there and 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 let them go. But you know, the kids who were taken out of the jail each week. They got used to it. They knew they were coming back next week and and routines did start and and some of them handled it easier than others but there was always that new one that was there that week that was hysterical and and the screams of mummy, mummy, mummy don't let them take me is very haunting. But every week my friend Cardell would get a, a note to me saying you're so amazing. You've got this keep going sis, you're the best, look after my niece, all these notes just every week she'd always send me something and I'd have a smile so I'd think she knows as a woman how hard it is to get through these days and every Friday she would have someone bring me these notes. Now the playgroup allowed secure women as well as residential women to to go to these as long as your behaviour was good and you earned a place in there and and your child was under five then you were eligible to go to these visits and obviously you have to have someone bring them in to the actual jail so um it's it's an amazing program and it's really great but every week she would get these these messages to me and i remember this young girl who handed me one one time she's like oh wow she asked me to hand you this note she's so strong she's so cool and she loves you and she loves your daughter and she said your family to her and I was like okay settle down princess like come on she was new to jail and young and and bright-eyed and 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 she thought the world of my friend which you know that's kind of cute but um you know it was it, it they were just nice things it it's just something that bonds you together in those times of tragedy and, and in those times of trauma. It was traumatic. Anyway, 2018, I was released. Um, obviously, have my baby with me, but you'll hear all the details to all that stuff soon. Um, 2019, I fell pregnant with my son, and I was extremely excited. Uh, four weeks later, Cardell was pregnant. So she had a baby boy due in december and i had a baby boy due in november so you two women we've done all this stuff together and we've hung out together and we've got this friendship and it's built from you know the, the strangest of places but you know now we've got babies coming at the same time and you know you talk on the phone and oh yeah you know they're going to be friends it's so cool and she was struggling a little bit financially and, and stressed about having everything ready for the baby and and you know where she was going to live and all that kind of stuff and her partner Anyway, um, I'd said to her, you know, look, don't stress. We will work the baby stuff out. You and me, we will work it out. Like, don't even worry about it. I've got heaps of baby stuff, heaps, like I did. I had way too much because I overloaded because it was exciting. Um, Having gone through the the jail pregnancy and, and the jail birth and not being able to have anything at all, I was now able to have anything I wanted for my son. So I went over the top. So I said to her, don't stress. Anyway, um, we talked on the phone, talked on the phone. And then and then finally, my son was born in November. Her baby was still due in December. So it was about four weeks waiting for the, for the next baby to come. And we'd been in touch, but we lived 200 kilometers away from each other. Um, so being able to see each other was a bit difficult, but we talked all the time. Then I get this phone call. It was from a woman in the courthouse. Now, if anyone's been to court, there's people called friends of the court that are there. And they're there to help people who are in trouble or whatever after their convictions or who don't understand or don't know whether they have got to be or stand or whatever it is that they do there. But, you know, they're compassionate people there for those times of need. And she said, I've got your friend Cardell here and I think she needs to talk to you. And I was a bit confused. I was thinking, okay, what's going on here? She's in trouble. She's obviously done something wrong. And Cardell got on the phone and she said, He's hitting me. I said, Who's hitting you? Like, this is the toughest woman I know. What do you mean someone's hitting you? She said, He's hitting me and, and I'm I'm scared he's gonna hurt me. And I said, You're scared how on earth are you scared this is this is this doesn't sound right to me this is the toughest woman i know and she said he's gotten more and more violent towards the end of the pregnancy and um and i don't know what to do and i said like i've just had this baby i've got two little kids at home as well and i said i'm 200 kilometers away i said i can't get down there to pick you up i said, but. Go to a DV shelter. If he's hurting you and you're this scared, what the hell are you doing? Ring DV Connect, ring 1 800 Respect. Like, there's places out there, like, you don't need to go through this. And she's like, No, well, I can't. And I said, Well, why not? And she said, Because I don't want to tell on him. And I said, But you don't have to. You don't have to tell on him. You, you don't have to say anything. Ring up and tell them that you need help and that, you know, Anonymous Joe is, is hurting you. You don't freaking have to give names. What do you mean? She's like, no, I can't. He'll call me a dog and he really will kill me then. I said, no, 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 no. You're not a dog. If a man puts his hands on you, he's a dog. That's that's, that's wrong. If you're this scared and you're this worried, this guy needs to go. You need to get out of there. And then she said, yeah, but what about all the baby stuff? Like I've got hardly anything as it is. If I leave right now and if I go to take the baby things, then he's going to know I'm leaving and he's going to hurt me. And I said, fuck the baby stuff. Honestly, like... I've got that much is not funny. I'll come and see you. Get somewhere safe. Call me and I'll bring you a whole heap of stuff. Where is your phone? She said, oh, he's taking it off me. I said, okay, so once you leave that courthouse, I can't call you. You need to get somewhere safe and then call me and then I can come. And so I thought she had agreed and the lady from the courthouse got back on the phone. She said, thank you so much for talking to her. I've been begging her to go somewhere safe. Half of her ear is cut off. I was like, what? He had cut half of her ear off in a fight. Her ear was all cut. Um, I was shocked. Like, you kidding me? How does someone do that? She's eight months pregnant. So I went about my life and waited for the call and waited for the call and waited for the call until a few days later I turned the news on and headline was woman's body found in boot of car eight months pregnant baby and mother both dead I I don't know how to tell you that I felt, because I, I can't really remember how I felt. There was shock. There was unable to understand. There was sadness. There was grief. There was clutching my own baby and thinking of how vulnerable you are when you're pregnant at that stage. I don't know why she went back. I don't know whether she went back and tried to leave. I don't know if she went back and thought maybe he was gonna change, but I do know that she's dead. I drove 200 kilometers that day and laid flowers to a power pole where people had put tributes down in the area that that her body was found and there was teddy bears and there was flowers and and all these beautiful comments but she was dead and the realisation of that just rung through my head over and over again she was on the phone I thought she was going to go to a shelter. I thought she was going to make that call when I got off the phone. No one can make you do anything. But I thought she had listened. So push forward. I've got to take you to another year now. 2021. And my children were in care. And I get a phone call from the carer. And she says to me, it sends me a photo of my my daughter who I'd had in jail, sitting around a little kid's table with all of her teddies. It's about, you know, 7.30 in the morning, 8 o'clock, whatever it was. And um, there's an empty chair there. And she said, cutest thing ever. She's woken up this morning and she's made herself a tea party, birthday party with her teddies. But she's got a birthday girl there and she won't go to school until she sings happy birthday. And as I'm reading this message, ting, comes a notification from Facebook. It was Cardell's birthday. So I said to the carer, does she do this often? Does she normally have birthday parties like this? And she said, no, funnily enough, no, no, I've never never seen her do that. It's quite cute. Then I explained to her the story and told her whose birthday it was. And she said, oh, wow, I've got goosebumps. Cardell's obviously still watching her from wherever she is. Whatever pain, whatever trauma went through her, something in her still makes her look out for my children to this day. If you're in a position that you're not sure... But you're scared. Partners shouldn't make you feel scared. It goes for men and women. Women can perpetrate just as much as men. There's, there's services out there. Friends to reach to. There's options. She didn't see her options that day. And I think I was so shocked that someone like her was scared. Someone like her was being treated that way. Knowing how strong she was and confident she was and and how caring she was. It just didn't comprehend in my brain properly. And had I gone back, would I have said something different? Would I have just jumped in the car and told her to stay still? Wait there, two hours, I'll be there. Should I have done? I don't know. But, Cardell, if you're listening, and if you are with us, know that I still love you. You're still in my thoughts. And this podcast episode, this is for you, wherever you are.